Welcome to Crime Spot, your podcast on organized crime. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Crime Spot. Crime Spot is a bi weekly podcast in which we discuss phenomena and current trends characterizing organized crime and its interface with our societies. My name is Esther, and on the other side of the mic, we have Felix. Hey, Felix. Hi, Esther, and hi, everyone else out there. Thanks for tuning in. First of all, a big shout out to everyone who has listened to our first episode, which we released two weeks ago, and especially to those who took the time to give us some constructive feedback and shared some ideas on how we can improve our show. Really, this helped us a lot. Please keep it coming. Absolutely. A big thanks to everyone. And we're going to try and incorporate your feedback as best we can, starting today. We also have a small update regarding our first episode. Those of you who have listened to it know that we reported on the illegal wildlife trade, and how it might have facilitated the outbreak of COVID-19, and among other things, we spoke about the Huanan seafood market in Wuhan, China, and we explained that this market was believed to be at the source of the COVID-19 outbreak. Since then, new research indicated that this may not be the case, that it might have been the location where a super spreader event took place, but it was deemed unlikely to be the ground zero for COVID-19. And this claim was actually made by the Wuhan Institute of Virology and later backed up by researchers not affiliated with this institution, including a professor from Georgetown University. But we're going to be linking um, an article in the show notes for those of you who are interested. Um, but what we wanted to show and stress is that this new development shows um, demonstrates the importance of appreciating the uncertain circumstances in which COVID-19 broke out. We have to acknowledge that it's still way too early to be certain about any details. And actually, during the first outbreak of SARS in the early 2000s, it took about 15 years for us to be certain that bats had carried the disease. Yes, so I guess we have to be patient and simply acknowledge that untangling this will take a lot more time, potentially a couple of years. That's about it for today's announcements. Now let's dive in to today's topic. Alright, so in the last episode we explored how organized crime might have facilitated the outbreak of COVID-19 through the lens of the illegal wildlife trade and its tendency to avoid regulations and hygiene standards. And today we're going to be looking at how criminals are playing with the hopes and fears of people to cash in on the pandemic. That is, we're going to be looking at illegal medical products. Since the pandemic started, some of you may have heard media reports such as these. Well, the head of the international policing agency, Interpol, has told Euronews that criminals are trying to exploit the pandemic. Interpol says there's been a surge in counterfeit medical goods. The state is warning people tonight to be on the lookout for counterfeit products, including hand sanitizer, gloves and face masks. As you heard, there are an increasing amount of reports warning of illegal medical products that are being sold online, in street markets and elsewhere. Illegal medical products have posed a threat to public health for many years, but the COVID-19 has provided new opportunities for, co- for criminals to leverage the pandemic to their advantage. Part of the problem is that China and India are today the world's largest producers of legal medical supplies, and they are both in lockdown. This, combined with the fact that demand for medical goods outstrips the supply, and that people are desperate for medical products and therefore are stockpiling them, all of this has created a permissive environment for circulation of counterfeit products and drugs. So when we say illegal medical products, we are not only talking about fake medicine. Illegal medical products may span from lifestyle products such as medicine for weight loss or erectile dysfunction, over medical devices such as, uh, you know, syringes or other surgical instruments to, in fact, life-saving medicines, for example, medicines for treating cancer, HIV, and so on. 
And of course, with the current pandemic, new items that are related to COVID-19, such as surgical masks, hand sanitizers, test kits, and sometimes medicine that claim to cure COVID-19 are more frequently subject to this illegal trade. So really, it's a wide range of products. Exactly. And it's a huge market. The World Health Organization believes that about 73 billion euros of illegal counterfeit medications are traded annually. Perhaps more worryingly, over 30% of medicines available in Asia, South America and Africa are believed to be counterfeit compared to less than 1% in the US and Western Europe. Part of the issue is that many developing countries overwhelmingly depend on one country for the supply in medicine. And with corona, this poses a real problem. So you said, you just said counterfeit medications. This sounds like illegal spin-offs of existing medical brands, for example, uh, let's say fake aspirin. But it's not only counterfeit, so fake medical products that we're talking about here, is it? No, you're right. Generally speaking, we identify three broad categories that illegal medical products may fall into. We first have substandard medical products. Second, we have unregistered or unlicensed products. And third, we have falsified medical products. When we're talking about substandard medical products, we're talking about products that are authorized but fail to meet a certain quality standard or specification. When we talk about unregistered or unlicensed products, we're talking about products that have not obtained the approval by national or regional regulators and legislators. And when we talk about falsified medical products, we're talking about the ones that are fraudulently misrepresented. Okay, so to sum up, we're really talking about a wide range of products, as we have outlined before, ranging from you know hand sanitizers to malaria medicine. And as you just pointed out, the reasons for their illegality can also be diverse. So they could be falsified medicine produced in an illegal lab and sold as originals, so essentially counterfeits. Or they could be legal medicine that criminals got their hands on and which they're moving through illegal channels. Or simply medical products that were produced under questionable circumstances and that might not be effective at all. Exactly. And these products are especially prevalent in emerging markets, which usually have less robust institutions and supply chains to, count to counter such criminality. For example, medicinal black markets exist in many Latin American countries, despite healthcare authorities having fought against the sale of illegal medicine for many years now. Traditionally, these products were anti-inflammatories, antibiotic creams, treatments for HIV or cancer, contraceptives, and so on. In fact, in Mexico alone, it is estimated that 60% of medicines are illegal. 60%? That's insane. Did you, did you have a look at which factors do amplify the situation? So it seems to be a mixture of several issues, specifically the combined effect of weak institutional capacities to dismantle illicit economies and the high cost of legal medicine. This is paired with structural health care inequalities overall, weak regulations, rampant corruption and exposed supply chains. So something you can observe across many countries in Latin America is that illegal medicines are sold openly on the street, often for a fraction of their market value. Well, I have to say... Then I'm having issues with feeling sorry for these pharmaceutical companies here, Esther. I mean, I understand that allowing criminals generating revenues out of this is not the right way forward. But honestly, it sounds to me that sometimes, well, capitalistic market mechanisms in certain countries fail to provide people with affordable medicine or with healthcare coverage. So I have to say that the fact that criminals sell these medicines for a fraction of the vendor price at least has the effect that poorer people, so, I mean, those are the people that live in more precarious circumstances anyway, now have access to medicine, and even more so as it is the big pharmaceutical companies that put the smaller pharmacies 
under pressure and who forced them into price wars, which in the end sets incentives for sm smaller pharmacies to procure the cheapest products they can get their hands on. So really having a hard time here to, to feel sorry for those big companies. True, but do bear in mind that Mexico has also reported instances of organized crime groups, such as the notorious Jalisco New Generation Cartel, to be forcing small pharmacies to sell counterfeit drugs. So organized crime groups are not exactly the Robin Hood of the counterfeit trade, but the real issue is that counterfeit medical products present serious health risks. In many cases, illegal medicines do not have any active pharmaceutical ingredients ingredient or not enough of it and might even contain damaging substances such as cement, rat poison and more. In fact, according to a report in by Interpol in 2013, over 1 million people die annually from falsified drugs. 1 million people annually. Wow, this I mean, these health risks add on to the myriad of economic and social societal risks. Yeah, and as you said, people buying these medicines are often the already marginalized. Overall, this leads to a decreased productivity of people, increased poverty, reduced social mobility. And another factor is that you have a higher disease prevalence because people take certain medicines to cure a disease. If the medicine fails, the initial disease will still be there. In the worst case scenario, this might actually amplify the progression of antimicrobial resistance. Oh yeah, I also read about this. It essentially means that when an illegal medicine that does not have enough active pharmaceutical ingredient is consumed, the doses might fall within the mutant selection window. So I th from what I understand, this means that this medicine then might be too low to wipe out the virus, but yet high enough to stimulate the pathogen to develop resistance against it. So in the end, people take this medicine to cure a disease, but instead they stimulate the disease to mutate and to become immune against that very medicine. Exactly. And then you have these people that can spread this mutated disease against which there might not be an existing medicine. All right. So saying that criminals provide poorer people with medicine is way too short-sighted. These illegal medicines can have devastating impacts on the health of the people who take them and the society's overall I believe another point worth mentioning next to the socioeconomic, economic and health dimensions is sort of the uh, institutional impact this may have. If the medicine I was buying would fail me frequently, I would lose confidence in the public health system as a whole. Or if, let's say, I'm poor and have to rely on criminal gangs to provide me with medicine, I would lose trust in my politicians. So I guess organized crime gangs accumulate political capital by k taking over such such basic functions. Not only does it undermine the legal economy, but this would mean that it also threatens the rule of law in the country. Exactly. And this poses also a legitimacy crisis, because then you have a situation where states and organized crime groups are fighting over who is the most legitimate to provide for the population and to control the territory. And you know, long term, this has great, grave consequences for the health sector. When you look at the Italian health sector, especially in the South, this offers a prime example. Organized crime groups have placed their members in key positions in hospital management and health departments in order to divert investment, influence procurement, commercial agreements and recruitment processes. In Calabria, for instance, since March 2019, a special commission has been established to manage the provincial health agency of Reggio Calabria, which is responsible for managing the hospital. And the agency has actually been dissolved twice in the past decade due to the infiltration of the mafia, specifically the Endragheta, which is Italy's most powerful organized crime groups, 
based in Calabria. So what does it mean concretely? Well, what it means is that you have these health workers that can be forced to drive ambulances with broken brakes, lights, transmissions, clutches, and were health workers that are working and that lack essential life-saving equipment. You also um, may have personnel that are hired through the mafia, and so they are unfit to serve or they are unqualified. And obviously when you have a severe health crisis such as the one presented by COVID-19, this has serious consequences. Well, this is a really interesting, well, also a very shocking case that Italy's health system has suffered from an infiltration by the mafia. But from my understanding, the supply and counterfeit products can occur at multiple levels. So yes, it can happen at hospitals, but it also at consumer level as consumers can inadvertently purchase counterfeit products themselves. Absolutely. The supply chain for counterfeit products is complex, global, and lucrative. Organized crime groups distribute and sell falsified medicine by exploiting weaknesses in supply chains, which are often fragmented, globalized, and involving a multiplicity of actors, from importers to retailers to retailers and distributors. What I mean is that the globalization of the counterfeit market has notoriously increased criminal opportunities. In fact, according to OECD, opportunities for organized crime arise when a counterfeit crosses a border, changes hands, or is repackaged. That is to say that the nature of the supply chain makes tracing quasi impossible. Actually, the global and fragmented nature of the supply chain echoes its distribution, right? Especially the rise of e-commerce has provided an effective platform for organized criminal groups to, well, sell their pr products undetected, really. This has been coupled with the growth of mail and courier services as modes of transport to distribute counterfeit medicines worldwide. Although maritime freight as such is might be a more effective way to smuggle contraband, especially when we talk about larger volumes, seizures can cause large losses for these groups. So, Smuggling falsified medicine via the postal system enables organized crime groups to ship smaller quantities, generating less profits per consignment, but also mitigating the risk caused by detection. Actually, this global and fragmented supply chain not only echoes its distribution, but it also echoes much of the illicit drug trafficking trade. That is, in, in fact, organized crime groups based in China have reportedly shifted from trafficking synthetic opioids, such as the infamous fentanyl that is responsible for the current opioid crisis that we have in North America, to producing fake medicine. In the current context, their incentive to do so is particularly high. Not only has COVID-19 caused demand for medicine to soar, but trade disruptions and stronger state regulations have caused the cost of certain chemicals that are key to produce illicit drugs to increase. What is critical to remember is that organized crime groups are capitalizing on existing networks and distribution routes and strategies that were used to traffic illicit drugs to now reach their consumer markets and distribute counterfeit products. Right. COVID-19 has created a unique and dangerous situation. Demand for medicines has not only exploded, but lockdown measures have encouraged e-commerce, notoriously facilitating the sale of illegal medical products. This means that if that one country goes into lockdown, countries which depend on its medical products face difficulties. For example, Indian company, companies supply as much as 20% of all basic medicines to some countries in Africa, nations that are being disproportionately affected. All of this combined to the fact that counterfeit market is already well established. Exactly. 
What is concerning is that organised crime groups are capitalising on the fear and rampant demand caused by the outbreak of COVID-19, and we can see that criminals take action along all different product categories that we have spoken about before. We have largely outlined how this can have negative consequences for the consumer or the society, but there is so much more. Um, for instance, some of you might have heard Trump endorsing hydroxychloroquine as a potential tra- treatment for COVID-19. Chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, which I think, as you know, it's a great malaria drug. It's worked unbelievably. It's a powerful drug. Uh, and there are signs that it works on this, some very strong signs. I just think it's something, you know, the expression, I've used it for certain reasons. What do you have to lose? Trump endorsed this even though there was, at that time, and still is today, no proof that chloroquine can treat COVID-19. And these kind of endorsements stimulate demand and organized crime groups don't care whether this demand is justified or not, they leverage it. An important factor is that chloroquine is used as an anti-malarial drug. In Brazil, organized crime groups were quick to smuggle more than 3,000 doses of anti-malarial drugs from Paraguay just a week after President Bolsonaro and the Ministry of Health approved its use as a potential cure for COVID-19. This medicine, in turn, is then missing for people who actually need it. And this is especially bitter in light of the added 116,000 people who are believed to die from falsified anti-malarial medication annually. This reminds me of a case in Peru where in late May this year, authorities seized 20,000 flasks of the anti-parasite drug Ivermectin. Although this drug has been recognized by some as a treatment of COVID-19, many medical experts raise concerns of its effectiveness. According to the local press, these flasks were destined to be sold in local pharmacies. However, they were filled with veterinary ivermectin, a version of the drug fit only for animal consumption. Additionally, thefts of medical equipment, including tests, ventilators, personal protection equipment, have been reported by organized crime across Latin America. In April, 15,000 coronavirus diagnostic tests and 2 million PPE were stolen from a cargo in Sao Paulo International Airport. Sorry, PPE? Personal protection equipment. Right. Likewise, in Mexico, a truck transporting 200 kilograms of antibacterial gel was seized by thieves. While these thefts are not a sale of counterfeit medicines per se, they contribute to shortening critical medical supplies and feeding into the black market. Right. Importantly, in both cases that you just mentioned, law enforcement actually successfully retrieved these medical goods. And just as COVID-19 has caused disruptions to the supply chain while increasing demand, it also prompted organized criminal groups, specifically micro-traffickers, to diversify their distribution techniques. This is something that we are also seeing across the drug trade. Due to the COVID-19 social distancing regulations and lockdown measures, micro-traffickers have had to develop innovative methods to distribute illicit products to avoid law enforcement detection. I was reading of one example in Mexico and Argentina, whereby micro-trafficking were using a takeaway method. That is to say, just as you would pick up your takeaway from a restaurant, you could pick, pick up your takeaway for counterfeit products. Okay, important to note here, what we mean with micro-traffickers are simply traffickers that only move a small amount of contraband at a time. And not only do, do they offer takeaways, as you just mentioned, but they also innovate in their delivery. So micro-traffickers are posing in some countries as essentially delivery services, pretending to distribute food or medicine to customers 
We saw this happening in Ecuador, Colombia, Argentina, and Guatemala. Some have reportedly stuck logos of popular delivery apps on their vehicles. Additionally, the arrest of three nurses in Argentina in April this year following a tip-off that the ambulance was being used to transport cocaine has pointed to the return of the narco ambulance. Absolutely. What all of these key trends show is the unique and permissible environment that COVID-19 has created for the market for counterfeit medicine to flourish. Not only has the pandemic caused fear to spread, desperate demand for medical products has risen and confinement measures have pushed individuals to purchase increasingly online. Exactly. And in fact, in March 2020, Interpol reported a seizure of 34,000 counterfeit substandard masks substandard hand sanitizers, and unauthorized antiviral medication, including the so-called corona spray, coronavirus medicine, and also Interpol noticed a 100% increase in, guess what, Esther? Uh, chloroquine? <laughs> chloroquine, exactly. Okay, so I think that was a, a lot of information at once. Let's just draw a line here and highlight the most important parts. Okay, so for me, the first takeaway is that the trade in illegal medical products is serious and has been going on for a long time now, and that the complexity of the global value chain exposes it to involvement of organized criminal groups. Illegal medical products might be substandard, unregistered or unlicensed, or falsified. Buying such medical products does not only potentially have devastating impact on the consumer, but also on the economy and the society as a whole as such products potentially don't function at all, but in the worst case, malfunction and cause harm. Exactly. And the COVID-19 pandemic has played into the hands of criminals engaging in illegal medical products. The demand for these has risen while the supply was cut. People in lockdown spent more time online, where a lot of these illegal medical products are sold via the internet or even the dark web. And many people and governments are afraid and are looking for a COVID-19 cure and vaccine. Criminals play with these fears and hopes to cash in on the pandemic. Unfortunately, as with most criminal trades, the public threat posed by the counterfeit trade disproportionately targets the most vulnerable, that is to say the sick and the poor. In the shadow of this COVID-19 pandemic lurks another, a parallel trade, a pandemic in illegal medical products. On a closing note, what can we and our listeners do? I mean, the most important thing at this stage is just to stay vigilant until the... Until the day of this recording, there is no reported cure or vaccine for COVID-19. So we would recommend you to not fall for offers of COVID-19 cures, especially when shopping online. Remember that you don't have a reference frame to understand how such a cure would look like. Also, when buying medical products such as face masks or hand sanitizers, make sure to buy them in official stores. And if you buy them from a third party, it is best to verify that this product is actually sold by the original supplier. Exactly. And with this call for vigilance, we will conclude our second episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and we hope to have you back on CrimeSpot in two weeks for our third episode. Take care and stay healthy. See you soon.